The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and today my guest is Bob Rudy, who is an attorney, a mediator, and an organizational consultant with nearly 40 years' experience in mediation, legal aid, public interest law, legislative advocacy, strategic planning, and nonprofit consulting. Quite an amazing person. Bob is the founder and president of Senior Mediation and Decision Making Incorporated, the nonprofit organization that developed a statewide senior mediation program in Maryland and went on to provide training and consulting around the United States and in Canada, teaching people how to mediate family caregiving, adult guardianship, estate planning, and other senior or elder conflict and planning matters. You can find this nonprofit organization online at www.senior-mediation.org. I'll tell you more about Bob's service in professional organizations later, but now I'd like to say hello and get into the substance of our conversation today, which is about senior mediation. So welcome, Bob. Hi, Virginia. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, You're the, the scope of your expertise just really impresses me. How did you get started? In mediation? Yes. I had an interest in quite some time. Um, actually, shortly after I got out of law school, I, uh, it, it was, uh, it was an ombuds program in the, in the Midwest that I, uh, had been tentatively recruited to, to, uh, direct at one point. I didn't do that. I came back east from, from Iowa to, uh, to Maryland and got involved in a fairly long, uh, primarily legal aid-centered uh, career for quite some time. In uh, 1998, our chief judge in Maryland, um, Judge Bell at the time, uh, decided to expand the use of uh, mediation alternative dispute resolution in Maryland and set up a task force to uh, to look at what how to do that. Uh, with uh, Rachel Wall was the executive director, a, 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 a wonderful leader in, in our mediation field, and I was asked to be on the task force. And, and at that point, decided that uh, there was about a twenty-five, thirty-person lawyers, mediators, law professors, and and, and folks like that. Um, and um, so I, I decided I needed to know a bit more about what I was doing, so I started. 
started taking mediation trainings uh, in, in Washington, D.C. And, and in Maryland. And that was 98, and I stayed on that commission when we uh, uh, came out with a strategic plan on how to expand the use of ADR in courts and schools and communities across the state. And uh, uh, I, about three or four years later, the, my uh, kids were out of college, and I decided to leave the... Uh, uh, I was director of Maryland Legal Services Corporation and, and uh, went into set up a private practice and started doing some mediation. I got a grant from the Maryland Mediation and Conflict Resolution Office. I realized we had not said anything about the use of mediation for elder disputes, senior issues uh, as such. And uh, I got a, a little grant that actually lasted for about five years to look at how uh, what was being done in elder senior mediation and what we could do in Maryland. And that sort of got me started in this in this line of work. I see. Possibly you and I should take a step back and define what senior or elder mediation is. How is it different from other kinds of family mediation? Sure. And, you know, I'm going to assume that your audience understands mediation pretty well in terms of the use of a, of a neutral person meeting with... Uh, usually two or more people with a conflict uh, and can be a, a room full sometimes to uh, to try to help people resolve their whatever conflict or issue that comes into the they bring into the room uh, and it's being used in, in family matters and child custody areas and a whole lot of areas in civil and civil disputes elder mediation uh, or senior mediation it's you see both terms uh, generally involves um, someone who's 60 or older, as we normally define it. Um, it uh, the uh, types of issues, um, and when I say they're generally a little older, there is a potential, not a presumption, but there's a potential that some one or more of the individuals involved may have some, uh, need a little bit of assistance in terms of uh, mobility, seeing, hearing, uh, a number of, particularly as I work with people who are substantially older, um, and by the types of cases we get, there may be some cognitive abilities. Um, there is a possibility of you encounter age discrimination, ageism. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to take care of mom. She shouldn't be involved. It will upset her. Maybe mom is going to be involved. And decisions that come out of this and needs to be uh, at the table. There may be, you know, mental, physical, emotional factors requiring some sort of accommodation to the normal mediation process in terms of where you have the mediation. I do them in uh, homes, uh, individual homes, in addition to my office, sometimes nursing homes, sometimes hospitals. Um, they're often multi-generational party participation. Uh, I had one mediation that had started with 18 people from great-grandmom to great-grandchildren and children and spouses and attorneys and social workers in, in between. Um, the types of issues are the other areas. You, you mentioned some of them uh, can deal with guardianship uh, potentials, a fight between siblings over who should have the responsibility of caring for an older uh, parent frequently. Um, uh, estate matters, uh, grandparents uh, wanting to have access to the grandchildren when their children and their spouses divorce. 
so the types of issues uh, are somewhat particularized uh, around what we start encountering as we get older. And, uh, those are some of the differences around senior mediation as such. I can't imagine having 18 people involved in one mediation. <laughs> I've never tried to do that. <laughs> it's, uh, well, you learn to hear, you know, hopefully not everyone's talking the same time, but you do learn how to uh, listen to multiple conversations and try to uh, try to reflect what you're hearing and uh, keep people talking and listening, most particularly listening to each other. Okay. How did things work out for that family? It's, uh, I guess you can't tell us any confidential information, sure. but I'm wondering what, you know, what sort of dilemma was that particular family dealing with, and did they succeed? Did they come to a resolution that made everybody happy? In that particular case, that was uh, about four years ago. Uh, the one I was, the, that had from great-grandparents to, uh, to great-grand, one great-granddaughter, uh, <clears throat> One of the, there were, I think, six siblings, uh, uh, mom and dad, um, who were the the elder people in the room. Uh, there were six children. Uh, actually, the, the dad was a stepdad. Uh, there was a lot of conflict and hostility between some of the siblings over who should have the responsibility of helping to care for particularly mom, and there was some hostility between some of the family members and the and her husband. Uh, it in that particular case, one of the parties uh, withdrew uh, and uh, just uh, was very much at at odds with the uh, with the other five sibs. And uh, we had three sessions of about three hours each. Mom had. Uh, Sort of mid-stage uh, cognitive impairment, uh, dementia. Uh, so we had to take breaks. Um, she had uh, a social worker that came in through uh, a agency that was looked after um, uh, aging protective uh, uh, services. Yeah, we came up with a. Uh, they came up with a plan regarding. Uh, a guardian that the rest of the family supported as a family guardian uh, that the court uh, ratified, and with a, uh, a public guardian as well. Uh, there had been a fair amount of... Mm, the family had been fighting quite a bit. But yeah, it, it was, a I think, a resolution that protected mom and dad. They were back in their homes where they weren't at one point. Dad had been in the hospital, came back and found he was locked out, and mom was in another state, his wife was in another state. Things... Uh, stabilize and move forward, I think, uh, well. That's good to know. That's good to hear. So mom and dad came out okay. Five out of six siblings were on board with the plan, and the court ratified it. That's good. It's, it's always good when the family can make the decisions and have the court ratify it rather than the court making the decisions and imposing them. That's why we like family mediation. You know, I, I tell people... When you're in mediation, um, and it can involve uh, guardianship decisions, uh, who has responsibility for financial or health care or personal decisions when an older person needs uh, assistance of a family member, or, as you know, uh, conflicts over child custody and things like that, you all know your family needs a lot better than a judge will. 
and you have the ability to be in control of what happens from this point on. Uh, I practice law uh, in some of these areas, uh, and I tell people, I never know exactly what a judge is going to do. I think I can predict it. You're sure that he or she's going to hear your side of it and just go right down the line and recognize that the other person is being unreasonable. It may not work that way. You've got control at this point in terms of coming out with, uh, with, a, with a plan to take care of your family needs. Someone talked with me recently seeking mediation because of a problem in the family where the the parents, the elderly parents, had retired to one state. Let's say it was Georgia. Uh, there were five sisters. One of the sisters had retired to Georgia and sort of got stuck taking care of mom and dad as they got older. And first the dad died, and then, you know, there were a few years where the mom's health was just gradually declining, and also her cognitive abilities were declining. So there was a lot involved in kind of being a support person for her in her final years. And the sisters who lived out of state had careers and could, couldn't, didn't think they could take a lot of time off to come down and help. So the one who lived in Georgia eventually got pretty resentful. And this family was looking for help, not in making a decision about what to do, because by the time they called me, the mom had already died a year or so ago. But they were looking for help healing relationships for, you know, just just recovering from the resentments that arose during that period. Do you get a lot of cases like that? Yes. The uh, having an opportunity to, well, I I'm thinking of a couple of cases particularly where um, there are siblings who have grown up together and maybe. Uh, if he says something, his sister has turned off hearing him about 20 or 30 years ago sometimes. The neutral uh, mediator can say, I heard you say this a minute ago. Did I understand that correctly? She she understood it when I said it. She didn't hear it when he did. Uh, 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 it, it provides an opportunity, and we try to provide, as you know, a, a chance and, and, and to, for them to hear each other, for them to say what they need to say. Sometimes every communication, sooner or later, I find one of the issues that comes up is there's a breakdown in communication, and, and, and every mediation, that seems to be one of the factors. So how do you how do you listen to each other? How do you hear each other? How do you start um, being aware of what everyone's needing? And and mediation says we try to we try to provide a win win win. Everybody gets pretty much what they need in the, in the case, and um, that doesn't happen in every case. But yeah, we uh, I, I see a lot, and and it's very powerful when someone says, you know, I did something, and uh, I didn't know how that affected you, and I'm sorry, I hear you, I won't do it again. And all of a sudden, uh, you can see the, the, the tension level and the, the change uh, in the room, and people go forward um, with some real healing. I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 
I think you and I may be the most surprised people in the room when that happens sometimes. You know, it's just, wow. So, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, it can be amazing, people who haven't talked to each other for five years, now that they're in the room with a mediator, start to hear each other and start to be able to speak up and something magic happens. Yeah. Not every time, but sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I find that I'm using some new catchphrases like, you know, I don't have a magic wand here, but uh, but maybe you do. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, we can help. Uh, they are the ones that uh, that come to the resolution when they do. And I, and I find most of the time if they come to the table and are willing to sit down and give it a try, it's got a really, really high uh, success potential. Good to know. We need to take a break now. And I will be back with Bob Rudy from SeniorMediation.org after a couple of minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's A-P-F-M-N-E-T dot org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Colin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. And my guest today is Bob Rudy, a lawyer, a mediator, a trainer, 
a resolver of conflicts, uh, a man who's helped an awful lot of people. Mr. Rudy has served as chair of the Association for Conflict Resolution of Maryland in the family, senior, and health mediation section from 2006 to 2011. He was a founding co-chair of the senior mediation section at the national level Association for Conflict Resolution in 2008 and 2009. He also created and directed the Maryland Court of Special Appeals Mediation Program during 2009 to 2012. And that's, that's a very short list. That's a few of the really important positions where Bob Rudy has made a contribution to our field. We're going to get back now to talking about senior mediation, which is also sometimes called elder mediation. What do you see as the greatest value in senior mediation, Bob? It, and I'm probably going to recap a little bit of what we've been sharing in the in our first segment, Virginia. It it helps uh, it helps the people that are involved with the the in the family or involved with the family to have conversations that they need. It helps promote uh, party conversations. Uh, where they may have been lacking for some time, and and it it provides an opportunity for participation of uh, everyone, uh, including people who may have some some disabilities. I I, I could indicate that senior mediation uh, is essentially in its techniques the same as what we sometimes call the specialized techniques, what we sometimes call disability mediation that we. We are trained and uh, try to bring an awareness in of, of how to um, make sure that um, everyone can participate as fully as possible, um, regardless of physical um, disabilities, uh, cognitive disabilities, uh, whatever. And uh, that's uh, that's one of our our special. Uh, efforts and, and, and trainings to try to do that. I think it can really preserve and improve family relationships. Um, they're most of the time uh, when I'm involved in a the case, there's been some breakdown. There's a problem, or, or they wouldn't. They wouldn't be. I wouldn't be sitting with them and, and having these conversations. Sometimes we're just sort of doing some long-range planning, estate planning, bringing together the family for. Uh, family conversations, uh, so it's almost what I would call strategic planning. If I were doing it with a nonprofit organization, which I also do, it's sort of strategic planning around the family about how we uh, transfer family assets, family businesses, how we work together, family home, vacation homes, that sort of thing, or let people know what the estate plan uh, may be and get their input so that there are not fights at the back end where there's people are giving away the estate assets by by litigation, um, but uh, it also gives a, a good guardianship as a case area that I've done a lot in. If you have a guardianship imposed by a court where uh, one or more of the interested party members or sometimes a state agency or a county agency will say, this person cannot care for themselves uh, for um, uh, some impairment reasons, 
can't make decisions, can't manage their finances, can't care for the medications, can't feed themselves, needs help, uh, and uh, somebody's got to take over that legal and financial responsibility. Um, the uh, If a court has to make that decision because um, the family is in conflict uh, and uh, just can't come together with how to do that, or if there hasn't been advanced planning by powers of attorney or medical guardianships and things of medical decision-making in advance, um, it tends to say, you've got the responsibility, and give me a report back to the court once a year. There's a lot of variation around the country. Um, and that's it. A family can come together in mediation and, and really nuance a, a care plan in terms of visitation schedules, shared decision-making, shared information, uh, and very, very comprehensive. And who has the, you know, how major decisions are going to be made sometimes very transparently with a, with the opportunity for a number of people to help uh, so that no one gets excluded from the process. Those are some of the, I think, uh, some of the advantages. Greater party satisfaction than... Uh, through some other approaches, in my opinion, particularly through through litigation. When people sue each other, <laughs> there's going to be a decision at the back end sooner or later, although it may be appealed for 10 years until there's a final, final decision. But uh, usually there's going to be somebody that's pretty unhappy, and it's not going to be uh, very pleasant in terms of whatever that decision is, how it's going to be implemented. It also, from the court's perspective, reduces a lot of demand on court resources, so not just the the, the, the involved parties, but the, the public uh, resources are, are preserved uh, a bit as well. Excellent. You've been obviously very involved in training other people about working with seniors and their relatives and, and doing planning, guardianship, powers of attorney, medical directives, and then mediating the issues when there are conflicts among members of the family about what would be best to do. What kinds of qualifications or training should a senior mediator have? In the, in the mediation trainings that I put on, um, we, we have done from, oh, generally two to three day um, specialized training. Everyone will have had um, at least 40 hours of, of basic mediation training. I'm, I'm going to start with sort of the, quali- the, the minimum qualifications. Um, and then um, we have a two to three, and I prefer three-day training uh, on the specialized aspects of elder mediation, which includes uh, how to identify what kinds of uh, accommodations may be needed, uh, advanced um, interviews and contacts with all the parties, uh, a real intent and desire in whenever possible that everyone is going to be affected by and participate in the transaction has an opportunity to be, be heard and participate. Um, and, and what does that require? What does that need in terms of sometimes time, day, place, location? Now, speak louder. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I sit across from the person who, like 
myself as I get older. I'm 70 years myself, and, and I, as a man, I don't hear as well as I did a few years ago. Men, men, as most women uh, know, after a while, lose their hearing more quickly than uh, than women do. So I sit across from people. I speak louder. I give an opportunity for people to, you know, do rip, lip reading. Uh, you may slow down the process a little bit. You may have shorter sessions. We teach a lot in terms of those kinds of accommodations. You take breaks. You try to be aware when someone has, has lost the uh, ability to buy a lot of check-in conversations. It's not following what's going on and, um, and uh, take a break. And, and, and they may have a little while later. Part of what got me started here uh, is my... I cared for a, a mother with after my father died with Alzheimer's. So I, I should have left that stated that earlier. So I've had some personal experience uh, back in uh, 1987 to 1991 when mom passed. So I'm getting to learn what uh, what that particular uh, very tough uh, malady can do, and, and how you communicate as well as possible, as long as possible in those circumstances. Also, it I. Expect, uh, I would expect an elder mediator to have an understanding of the kinds of legal issues that uh, they're going to be involved in mediating. I, I think that's, I think that's critical. Um, mediators sometimes say, "I'm a mediator. I can mediate anything." And yes and no, in my opinion, uh, having an awareness of the the resources that can help the parties, how you can sometimes suggest there may be somebody else that should be in this conversation from the local Department of Aging or elder law attorneys who I think bring some real specialization in on some of the issues that are being talked about. Have you talked to someone, financial planners that work in this area? Uh, what's your awareness of, you know, continuum of care facilities, uh, uh, geriatric care managers? It is... Uh, I think very, very useful and to have that kind of experience and background that you can bring to to this this kind of work um, and we have experience as a mediator uh, I find that uh, there's no uh, you you expect sort of the the reading and the background and the training, but also I, I think we all get better with more mediations that we do uh, generally. And some practice in scenarios. I would ask somebody if I were going out to try to find an elder mediator and uh, didn't know this area. I would look for what do you do? What is your training? How many mediations have you done? What kind of mediations have you done in this particular area? How long have you been doing it? Can you give me references? Uh, and uh, so those are hopefully give you some of the ideas of some of the types of qualifications. Some of those we cover in our, our training. I've got a, I'll do a plug at the back end of a training manual that we sell that is for uh, 1750, including uh, cost of shipping, et cetera, that talks about a lot of this stuff. It's about a 180-page manual. And you talked about our website uh, at www.senior-mediation.org provides uh, some articles that I and others have written, resources uh, that we'll talk more about perhaps at the back end, but give some of the, some follow-up to people that want to continue looking at some of this stuff. And I would also, you know, um, yeah, that, those are some of the ideas, the qualifications, I think. Okay. So it sounds like 
a, a mediator who is someone who is interested in doing this kind of mediation should start with a basic 40-hour course about mediation skills. Maybe follow that with a basic 40-hour course about working with families and then get additional training about working with the specific issues that come up for, in elder care and other senior matters. Sure. I can tell you that uh, my uh, primary partner, when we got the, when we started senior mediation decision making and uh, and got the the funding to to work with the Maryland Department of Aging and to set up the, the model elder mediation program statewide, Carolyn Rodas, uh, like myself, came in with a background, worked as a lead weight attorney for a while, um, got a, a master's in gerontology, uh, and uh, around the same time that she was starting to get her mediation training background, worked as community mediation, got trained in community mediation, did a lot of experience in community mediation, worked as a uh, nursing home ombuds, uh, which is a program under the requirement of the uh, Department of Aging, uh, got experience in that regard. I've taught at the University of Maryland uh, College Park in the Department of Aging on uh, legal aspects of aging. And uh, so I had to do some research, and that was about 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, Those are some of the types of things that, that we had both of us an interest for our own reasons in this area. I think we were drawn. I, I, I um, in nineteen two thousand and four and two thousand and five, just as I was starting this project, I volunteered for uh, a year, which was means about three hours a week at a uh, a hospice. Went through hospice training and was sort of a. Mm, not much different from a candy striper, but I, I was really interested in end-of-life uh, transitions and would spend time going around. It was a 24-bed uh, hospice in uh, uh, Towson, Maryland, uh, a beautiful facility, and uh, spent time with people who were in their uh, last days, weeks, months uh, in the hospice uh, in this case, they stayed there. I've also worked with people in, in homes as well, with, with home-based hospice care, and with the families, you know, going through that transition. I, um, those are kinds of... I, I find this as a... Uh, I, as you know, Virginia, I do different kinds of things. Uh, this you is a do. Passion. I, this is a passion. I love the work. Uh, I, I, the people that I have met around the country... Uh, there are now about 200 and close to 300 members of the National Association for Conflict Resolution Elder Mediation Section around the United States and some in Canada. Almost all of them that I have met and talked with, and I've met and talked with quite a good number of them, really have a passion for this area. They are drawn to do this kind of work. It's not just a commercial venture. It's a, it's a commercial challenge, um, but uh, because uh, there's real reluctance to get people to sit down and do these kinds of conversations sometimes. But it's something that I think uh, the ones that I've met are drawn to and fascinated with. I'm wandering around your question, but I hope it's, uh, it's <laughs> germane. 
It's fine. This notion of hospice care, visiting hospice care, spending some time as a volunteer there is something that had never occurred to me. Is that something that you would recommend if I wanted to specialize in this area, if I had that passion? Is that something I should do? It's uh, it's a particular, it'll get you an enormous uh, experience in uh, the end-of-life work, which is just one aspect. I, 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 yeah. It, it, uh, I found the training excellent. Um, this was Gilcrest uh, Nursing Home Center. There's been some change in federal funding reimbursement law, and, and I think there are wonderful hospice programs, and some that aren't great right now, so you have to be careful. I found the training wonderful. It was about a, mm, 50 hours of training uh, in the evenings over a couple of months, and then I you know, continued it for a year until I just got so busy doing other things. I, I, I recommend it. I, I've done um, not a lot. I think I've done probably four or five um, work with families and uh, uh, individuals literally in the last uh, weeks of life uh, through um, the creation of... Uh, of uh, health care directives primarily and maybe revisions of powers of attorney and revisions of wills and, and the, the final transit uh, planning. Uh, it's uh, and working with families in terms of um, I, I, I have not had a, uh, a mediation with a family, with a person in a coma making a decision whether to uh, turn off the machine or not. I know mediators who have done that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yes. an interesting area. We need to go to break now, and I'll be back with Bob Rudy in a couple of minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. 
To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's A-P-F-M-N-E-T dot org. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. Today I'm talking with Bob Rudy, who is uh, an expert in the area of senior or elder mediation, in addition to having a lot of other skills. Mr. Rudy's private mediation practice is in Baltimore, where he includes both family mediation, which includes senior and elder mediation, and also general civil mediation in a range of conflict areas. He's been a volunteer in the Maryland Civil Rights Commission and is a member of Mediators Beyond Borders, so he's an intriguing guy with a lot of interesting experiences. And I think maybe now I can get Bob to tell us about a family that he's worked with and how things went. Virginia, I'm going to come on your show anytime you ask me. You're so, you say such wonderful things. <laughs> I, I hope my children are listening. Um, the... Uh, yeah, I was uh, thinking over break, trying uh, some of the uh, my favorite mediations. There's one that that came to mind uh, where there was a uh, two sisters. Uh, I was uh, um, this this came through my uh, through my church uh, that uh, their the mother was from the upper Midwest. Mom was about 93, 94 years old. And if, I think if the sisters were on the listing right now, they wouldn't mind this. I'm not going to give any names, but they they would recognize them and, and would, I think, enjoy the story, too. Uh, Mom was about uh, in her early 90s and uh, quite a pistol. Uh, she... Uh, had uh, her husband had died quite some many many years before, and uh, she had a uh, lived in a home uh, by herself uh, for a long time, and was hitting a point where that just wasn't feasible. So she came initially just for a, a visit to one of the sisters and, and stayed for a while, uh, and they the the sisters and the the brother in the town in the, in the upper Midwest knew that she could not go back home, but hadn't explained this to her at that point. And uh, now they're at the stage where they are needing to sell the family home for some expenses, and it's it's just sitting there empty, and it's that's not a good thing. And um, I was asked to come and have this conversation with the two sisters. The brother did not come in, but the, the two sisters uh, 
the one that mom is living with and the other sister who, who lives 30 miles away and has a lot of interaction. Let's go and, and talk with mom. And uh, uh, we've got to let mom know that uh, we need to sell the house. And the house is already on the market, but the brother wanted to make sure that mom knew before it was sold. Brother had the, the, the power of attorney, had the power to do this. And uh, um, mom has uh, a cognitive uh, impairment so that we can have a conversation, and 15 minutes later, she may forget about the conversation. It's a great conversation, but doesn't doesn't retain. And... Uh, um, she was, I hadn't met her before this. We went around the house. One of the reasons I think I love the story was uh, she was an artist, and she showed me her paintings, which were lovely. She was still doing. She played the piano. She reminded me of uh, some of my older uh, aunts, great aunts, when I was growing up. And uh, in my family, the there was quite a bit of arthritis. Uh, so she was showed me the piano and talked about it, and I said, oh, you still play the piano. She's 92, 93. And she looked at me and she said, still, still play the piano. I don't like you. I had, I had projected my age discrimination on her, and she called me in a second on it. I remembered that one to be very, very careful. That was inappropriate. And anyway, so... Uh, I got a lesson out of it and tried to be more careful after that. She forgot about it about a minute later, and we were fine again, thank goodness. Anyway, we uh, went through, did the description about the intended home sale, which she was sad about, understood that it was probably necessary, uh, and then we went on and talked about other things. I wrote up the uh, summary of our conversation with some degree of what we talked about and everything, so that whenever they could show it to her and remind her of the conversation, let her know. She passed on about a year or so after that, but I, I, uh, they were all lovely people, and, and she was a joy to, to meet and work with. Did anything happen? I, I don't think I understand why the family felt they needed to involve you. Um, they... Um, they felt like it was going to be a pretty tough conversation. And sometimes um, they, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure either. But, uh, you know, they, well, they it is quite a bit. Too. It is generally true. If a family needs to have a conversation that they know is going to be difficult, it's a good idea to have a mediator in the room. You know, it's, it, there's a number of books, as you know, on, on mediation that talk about the, the concept of difficult conversations, having difficult conversations that we put off and they need to be had. This was a difficult conversation that needed to be had. And and I think somehow letting her know that she, she also, uh, well, uh, she liked guys, too, so they wanted to have a, a guy in the room to, to, to help with the conversation. So maybe ah, I brought, okay. brought another another aspect into it as well. I see. Yeah. That's, uh, I, um, I hadn't thought about this before. You know, if you ask about some of my favorite mediations, there was one in a, in a nursing home that, uh, uh, years ago that, uh, again, had about, had about, there were two siblings, 
a mom who was in her late 80s, uh, but with the nursing home staff, three people from the nursing home, three attorneys, uh, and uh, we had about 15 people in the room and all, and two people on the telephone. That's one of the other things that I find in terms of the elder mediation. We may have people scattered all over the country and just trying to find time to get them together. I, I really personally prefer face-to-face meetings and conversations, but we frequently do need to involve people by conference call as well. Uh, That one was uh, one of the daughters had been prohibited from having contact with mom in in the nursing home because she had at one point brought in some food that was against doctor's orders, and uh, there was some real conflict between the parties. As a result of the the mediation, uh, the... uh, we worked out an agreement for how the daughter would have access to mom, and uh, on a three times a week basis um, for uh, up to two hours at a time, but with somebody present. Um, it was really clear that mom wanted to have contact with this daughter. Uh, mom had fairly severe dementia at this point, and she said at one point, I don't know whether it should be two days or three days, I should ask my husband. And there was a real silence in the room, and I looked around and I said, is that an issue? Well, Dad had died about ten years before. Um, But uh, the clear point was she wanted contact with his daughter. We got that worked out in the mediation, uh, and we set up another mediation about supposedly a month later to go forward with the determination of the guardianship between various, uh, between the siblings over who was going to get the, the guardianship for ongoing. It got put off because one of the attorneys had a conflict with that date, uh, and just before we met again, Mom died. But Mom and that daughter were together for the last seven weeks of Mom's life, and that was, I think, very important to both of them. Sounds like a good success story. I'm thinking if uh, one of my parents were getting old and having memory problems and more serious um, dementia-related symptoms, and I was arguing with my siblings about how to take care of our parent, and I heard of elder mediation and thought I'd like to get more information about that. I know one place I could go is your website, www.senior-mediation.org. Where else should I go to learn more? One of the things on that website is other, is other websites, so uh, I, I hope it's useful for that. Some of the ones I'll, I'll cite quickly. It also lists a number of books. Uh, there's, a, there's some folks up in... Um, uh, just uh, Newton, Massachusetts, uh, that I've worked with. Uh, Arlene Cardasis was uh, one of the another co-chair of the uh, elder mediation section that we set up. She and her partners have written a book called "Mother Always Liked You Best." We used to make that would come up in uh, mediation sometimes, so they they came up with a great book title. It's a good book. I recommend it. Uh, and if you Put that title in, I guarantee you can find out how to get it over the Internet. Uh, there's a uh, wonderful group. When we first set up our, our project in Maryland, I found called the Center for Social Gerontology. 
in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I did consulting work for them for, for a while after I first had first found them, and they came in and helped us. Uh, we had a day-long planning conference with interested organizations in the state in terms of what we're going to do to how to how to develop and move forward with our training and 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 uh, and work with agencies and organizations to advance elder mediation in Maryland. They're great. And uh, their website is just www.tcsg.org, the Center for Social Gerontology, tcsg.org. They've got some wonderful resources on it. There's a um, program in the um, Indiana. It was. It's sold and I think you can still find them as uh, National Elder Care Mediation Network. Uh, and if you try www, this is on my website, www.eldercaremediators.com gives listings of uh, elder mediators with qualifications around the country. Association for Conflict Resolution also, www. ACRnet.org, national, uh, one of the two largest associations um, currently. I, I know there's a family association of professional family mediators is, is uh, going to be growing like crazy as well. The American Bar Association's Commission on Alternative Dispute Resolution also has good resources. Uh, will give you listings of mediators and resources and qualifications and standards and those kinds of things. Just a few off the top. Um, There is also um, the American Bar Association Commission on Law and Aging uh, has got uh, a lot of good resources. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have the website in front of me at the moment. Um, If you are an elder mediator, particularly, you can get on their uh, network, and you'll get uh, information on trainings, publications, new articles, new research, etc., on a mm, pretty close to monthly basis. It's just a few of the resources off the top. Okay. I think that there are some families who need to deal with this set of issues, this set of decisions, and don't necessarily need to have a mediator present in the role of mediator. I think you sometimes do some coaching or just facilitating of communication that doesn't quite rise to the level of mediation. Um, would you like to say anything more about that, sort of a continuum of services that are available? Yeah, thank you. Um, frequently, it's difficult. I get a good number of calls from, from individuals that are looking, want to have uh a mediation with other members, uh, family members, almost always, uh, and usually, but not exclusively, uh, siblings. And um, they, uh, they're not interested in doing so, the other parties. And uh, so it's pretty hard to get a mediation as such with, with, with a, a you know the the other party not at the table, uh, and uh, I can continue to provide some recommendations on how uh, the individual can try to 
uh, have conversations with uh, other family members. Uh, hopefully, all the all the siblings, and let's say it is a sibling conflict that that could be involved. Um, how to uh, sometimes engage with the uh, the parent to. Um, uh, particularly where there is ongoing legal capacity to deal with decision-making through certainly advanced directives, powers of attorney, and uh, health care directives that all of us should have at this, this point in our lives. Um, and to talk about other resources that, that can perhaps help. You know, if uh, I... I uh, what you can perhaps expect uh, from the local uh, Department of Aging, which okay. is uh, yeah. We need we need to bring our conversation to an end. Are there any last little tiny pieces of advice that you'd like to offer for families dealing with members getting elderly? Um, give them your attention, time, love. Um, uh, even when and some of us get uh, a little harder when we're getting older to deal with in some instances, but uh, and you know if this is something and, and and help people make decisions in advance in terms of uh, 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 these kinds of things uh, instead of when it's a little too late, finding a, an elder mediator if you need it. Uh, state and local bar associations uh, can be helpful in addition to the website resources I mentioned. Local mediation associations know who have these kinds of qualifications. Uh, go to my website, give me a call if I can be helpful. How's that for fast? All right. Well, thank you, Bob Rudy. You've taught us a lot today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Virginia Cohen. It's been a pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.